0: I saw Redbeard kissing Bluebeard. Stir uh. the, stir the pirate pot. Good morning, good day, and good evening.
1: And good night. Good night. Welcome to the Insomnia Report episode
0: 46. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) We're here. We're here. We're (laughs) middle-aged. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I guess we are. Mm -hmm. I'm Margot, And I'm Elizabeth. And we are the two friends and roommates that like to talk about the things. That keep us up. At Night. night. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If you've listened before, welcome back. We're so happy you're here. Thanks for listening. We got a classroom report for you today. It's going to be quite educational, or maybe not. Maybe you'll be enraged after. Oh, great. I hope you learned something, though.
1: It's the most important thing.
0: But the most important thing to remember is we are just two friends having a conversation at the end of
1: the day. Yes. Yes. We're not experts on really anything at
0: all, so... Truly not. Just uh, in survival, not thrival mode. But anyway, I'm going to do the thing. I'm going to light our candle. Uh, Would you like to tell me about your week, please? I'm very sore. Yes, tell them why. I took a workout
1: class. It was free.
0: It's for free. It was for
1: free at a studio where they do like ballet-adjacent So, bar. You workouts. took a bar class. It was a bar class. <laughs> <laughs> Won't mention the name. It was a lot of fun. It was very hard. My whole body really
0: hurts. Yeah. Because so, you work all those micro-muscles, and you fatigue yeah, them. Yeah,
1: those micro-movements.
0: I get really sad every time I take those, because I used to be able to do a ballet class, no problem. uh uh-huh. I mean, it's not the same. Yeah. But, oof. Yeah. What... Is any part, like, surprisingly sore? You didn't know? A- my abs hurt a lot. It's a lot of core work.
1: Yeah. What was the hardest part? The thigh part was oh, really hard. Yeah. My I never, like, you know, I don't, I generally don't exercise at all. So my thighs, um you know, are not very
0: strong. yeah It's okay. You know. I'm proud of you for trying something new. It, it was, yeah, it was fun. Yeah.
1: It was fun. And One no thumb, thumb, two sore. thumbs,
0: no thumbs, sideways thumb. One and a half thumbs. One and a half thumbs. There you go.
1: Yeah. Too expensive to do regularly, but um, yeah, who knows?
0: Yeah. Health is for the rich. Yes. You know? Yes.
1: Hmm. Hmm. What about you? I
0: have PTO next week, and I'm very excited because okay. I am feeling kind of burnt out. I'm not mm. going to lie, but it's okay. I leave for San Francisco and Yosemite in a week, and I have not done any trip planning except I have the hotel, um, and obviously we have the rental car, and I have the Alcatraz tour. That's all I have booked. I don't have anything else, so I need to figure that out this weekend. I just haven't had time to do it, and I feel like going to take a lot more research than i realize and i don't want to waste the days being like well i don't know what to do Mm. so that's about it but i'm really excited to um get out you know and be out with nature and i've always wanted to go to san francisco so do you
1: know what kind of animals yosemite
0: has they have deer they have mountain Mm. lions (gasps) they have black bears oh uh i think foxes Cute cute little
1: guys cute little critters i love foxes i do too
0: If uh, there are no foxes in Yosemite, then I just want to see a fox. I'm just kind of... Uh,
1: My dad had one in his backyard for a while.
0: I thought you were going to say he had one as a pet. I'm like, (laughs) I did not know this about Kurt.
1: (laughs) My mom had a raccoon as a pet. I think I remember that. Mm. Mm. It was before my time,
0: but... Wow. (laughs) My brothers tried to bring home lots of toads.
1: Oh, my brother collected toads. He put them in a terrarium. And we would buy crickets for them at Petco.
0: That's adorable. Hmm. Hmm. Remember the book, Fraught and Toad? Yes. I don't really remember what they did. I just remember they wore, like, suit jackets.
1: Do you think they were in love? I think so. I'd say. Yeah.
0: I, I definitely got the sexual tension. <laughs> <laughs> they were life partners. <laughs> yeah. They Frog were just and friends having fun. They rode bikes. I know they had like a Terry bike or what's it called? Tandem bike. Tandem. Yeah, bike. I mean, come on, come on. You don't just do that with anyone. Oh,
1: we support you. We love you. We love toe. you.
0: <laughs> okay, this like match has like a splinter. Oh, oh. okay. Are right. you ready? I'm ready. All right, kids, class. Well, today. We are going to take a trip down Lakeshore Drive. (gasps) Uh, To our fellow Chicago listeners, if I were to say that I'm taking LSD to get downtown, you wouldn't bat an eye. However, to anyone else, if you were to say I'm taking LSD, that probably means you're taking an acid trip. (laughs) As mentioned in episode 44, we discussed the Russian sleep experiment, and I sort of teased that it would sort of be a two-powder. They would be linked in some way. If you did not listen to episode 44, I talked about a test that the Russian military performed on some prisoners of war that had some um, interesting side effects, to say the least. But it was a creepy past. Going off of that, while the Russian sleep experiment is up for debate, it brings up the question of would the military or the government actually perform experiments that are ethically questionable? Hell yeah, they would. Of course not. Oh. (laughs) yeah. yes. Uh, So to kick it off, we are going to go back in time a little bit, about 100 years ago in 1918, and we're going to meet a chemist named Arthur. So in 1918, Swiss chemist Arthur Stoll was working in his lab, which was owned by Sandoz. He was looking at organic chemical structure of different plants, and one of them was air gut. Our friend. Our friend. And if you've listened to many episodes or if you know anything about air gut, it is a natural substance found in rye that has been linked to hallucinations Or other weird occurrences like body compulsions. And it's thought that ergot poisoning was the reason for some of the, or at least an explanation of the Salem witch trials. And other things here and there. It pops up every now and again. I don't know anything about chemists. I think it's very fascinating that people can figure out how to do these things. Like, how do people figure, like, first of all, I'd like to know how people figured out, like, how to split an atom but mm-hmm. we're not talking about that today. So, our friend Arthur developed the first isolation of ergot alkaloid or ergotamine, which was eventually tested and sold as a migraine relief medication under the name Dynergen. So, kind of interesting. But he had a coworker named Albert Hoffman, and in a similar project he was looking at Urgut for ways to, quote, purify and synthesize active constituents for use as medications. So while researching lysergic acid derivatives, he went about combining lysergic acid along with different organic content, and he slowly worked his way to different variations until he eventually got to one called lsd 25 so he would test you know each one so there would be like lsd one two so he got to 25 he would test the effects on rats and with lsd 25 nothing really significant happened so he kind of made note of it and then he tabled it and it actually wasn't until 1943 five years after this that he decided to pick it back up. And he didn't know why, but something was telling him there could be something to this one. So he started working with this substance again. One day when he was working with LSD-25, he accidentally became exposed to a very small amount of it. So he somehow ingested it. Oh, no. A very, very small amount. However, he said that he started to, quote, experience extraordinary shapes with intense a kaleidoscopic play of colors dude was tripping he slightly a slight trip (laughs) he was like well so although it's frowned upon by every scientist probably ever and i know that all of my science teachers in high school are probably like pulling their hair out at this but a couple days later he's like you know what i'm gonna try a little more (laughs) Um so he hmm. one day it was it was on april nineteenth nineteen forty three he dosed himself with l s d and in his journal he documented that at oddly enough four twenty p m <laughs> he consumed point twenty five milligrams, thinking this probably won't have any effect now i've never done drugs, so I don't know if point twenty five is a lot or not, but no he I didn't do. he didn't think it would be a lot. Apparently, it it was a pretty good amount <laughs> because he wrote in his journal about 40 minutes later that he started feeling, quote, dizzy. He was having visual distortions, uh, feelings of paralysis, anxiety, but also the intense desire to laugh. <laughs> so he felt kind of off and he looked at his uh, coworker. He goes, hey, man. Can you can you walk me home? Can you take me home? I'm, I'm not feeling great, and I don't know if it's great for me to walk home by myself. So his coworker was like, all right, bet. I mean, probably not. I don't know how they talked in the 40s, but he was like, yes, governor, or sir. I don't know. Uh, so keep in mind, this was in Europe during World War II, and oh, no. cars were not actively as available, so they actually had to take their bikes. Oh, my God. Albert was like starting to feel really horrible and he was worried that he poisoned himself. I mean, first of all, why did you? (laughs)
1: This,
0: This is why scientists don't eat or touch things they work on. Yeah, But, and ergot is, it can be poisonous in its own, you know, in its organic form. So in a book he wrote, he later said, quote, Everything in my field of vision wavered and was distorted as if I was seen in a curved mirror. I also had the sensation of being unable to move from the spot. Nevertheless, my assistant later told me that we had traveled very rapidly. <laughs> <laughs> and so that day, Albert Hoffman had the first acid trip in history, and it's actually celebrated by some casual LSD users as Bicycle Day. <laughs> That's so, really cute, Yeah, actually. I mean, I'm not condoning celebrating. This is not an ad. That's illegal. That's illegal. Okay, but anyway, several years later, after the Second World War, following the fall of Nazi Germany, the Nuremberg Trials were held where, if you don't know what the Nuremberg Trials are, Nazi doctors were tried for inhumane acts done in concentration camps. So, won't go into all of that, but as a result, the Nuremberg Code was established, and it was essentially the ethical code of what would be, what needed to be met in order for an experiment to be performed. In a, a short version, there are 10 points. And here are some highlights. So the first one is voluntary consent of the human is absolutely essential. The experiment should result in the good of society and not a random or unnecessary experiment. It should be designed and based on the results of animal experimentation and knowledge of the natural history or the problem under the study. Um, so the anticipated results will justify what's being performed. The experiment should be constructed to avoid all unnecessary physical and mental suffering and injury. No experiment should be conducted where there is even the slightest reason to believe that death or some sort of disabling injury will occur. The ninth point is during the course of the experiment, the human subject should be at the liberty to bring the experiment to an end at any point and during the experiment the scientist in charge must be prepared to terminate the experiment at any stage so i mean there's 10 reasons those were i think six of them but essentially it was saying that you know there needs to be some sort of standard and all these Mm -hmm. boxes need to be checked in the 1950s and 60s america was in a time of the cold war Essentially, the U.S. government was afraid that Soviet, Chinese, and North Korean governments were using mind control to brainwash U.S. prisoners of war in Korea, among other things. So within the 1950s through the early 70s, the CIA would actually run some tests and side projects in order to work on possibly having a weapon of mind control. There are 3 major projects that all sort of tie into each other, but NK Ultra is the main one. Have you ever heard of MK Ultra? No. Okay. Buckle up. This is not a creepy pasta. <laughs> okay. Before MK Ultra, there was also Operation Bluebird and Artichoke. Were underwear, so it was called Operation Bluebird and later changed to Operation Artichoke. No idea why, could not find Random. out why, but I mean, okay. who names them? I don't even know. So, Bluebird, later called Artichoke, started in 1951. The primary goal of Artichoke was to figure out mind control how can you get people to perform and act involuntarily? No. Oh, Could on. you even get someone to assassinate someone and then be able to wipe their memories?
1: That is not ethical. Mm-hmm.
0: You are. Sir, this <laughs> came out. <laughs> when did the Nuremberg Code come? And you, oh, so God. soon after. Okay. 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 So it was a two-part process, according to journalist and author Stephen Kinsler, who said it was determined that, one, you need to determine how to blast away the existing mind blast away. Um. And second, you have to find a way to insert a new mind into that resultant void. I don't like any of that. It sounds like a James Bond villain. Yeah. The project also studied hypnosis, forced morphine addiction,
1: oh my god. Shock
0: therapy, isolation, interrogation, and the use of chemicals including LSD to produce amnesia and other vulnerable states into subjects. In 1953, at the end of the Korean War, the New York Times published an article saying that former American prisoners of war confessed to war crimes, saying that they were forced to carry out germ warfare, some even saying that they were brainwashed to the point that they refused to turn return to the United States And according to an article from History.com, Alan Dulles, the director of the CIA, addressed some Stanford alumni saying the following sort of in a propaganda movement. Mm -hmm. And it was, quote, in the past few years, we have become accustomed to hearing much about the battle for men's minds the war of ideologies. I wonder, however, whether we clearly perceive the magnitude of the problem, whether we realize how sinister the battle for men's minds have become in Soviet hands. He then finished, we might call it in its new form, brain warfare. So he was essentially saying that, okay, even if we have The nuclear weapons or this type of force, we need to dig deeper. And if they are able to do mind control, we are screwed. The CIA and U.S. government was worried that the Soviets were using mind control or at least had an advantage already, not only on their enemies, but on their own people. Because at the time, you know, how could the citizens be okay with what was going on? It had to be brainwashed, right? Soviet Russia is a terrible place. Soviet Russia. Additionally, seven days after the speech in April of 1953, Operation MK Ultra was approved, which was a secret project run in for over 10 years in an effort to figure out mind control. So MK Ultra was led by chemist Signe Gottlieb. Sydney had heard about LSD, actually, and he literally got the CIA to approve a budget to buy the World Supply from that lab in Switzerland. The World Supply. Literally the World Supply. He's like, no one else can have this. I need all the LSD. All of it. Give me all of it. I could never imagine explaining that to my boss. Like, hey, uh, is this um, approved? Is this uh, part of my stipend? I just need the world supply of LSD. So they're like, sure. Yeah, that's approved. We can do that. So the CIA literally purchased $250 million worth of LSD. Tax dollars at work. mm -hmm. So the Russians couldn't have it. They're like, no, it's mine. It's out of stock. It's like the Black Friday of the... It's like, (laughs) no. (laughs) Not limit one per person. Uh, According to NPR, once. Purchased, LSD was sent around to hospitals, clinics, prisons, and other institutions, asking them through bogus foundations to carry out research projects to find out what LSD was and how people reacted to it.
1: Oh, my God. The fake foundations. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Okay.
0: And they also just wanted to figure out how it could potentially be used as a tool for mind control. Because of the fear, History.com states that a group of 10 scientists met at a cabin located deep in the forest of Maryland. Shady already. <laughs> it's a cult. I I don't know. After extended discussions, the participants agreed that to truly understand the value of the drug, an unwitting experiment would be desirable. So... To rule out any placebo or, or any bias, like, the people that we experiment on should not know. Oh, no. It was even brought to prestigious institutions like Stanford, Harvard, Yale, and, you know, so on. The universities were excited to be a part of it because it's like, this is great to have, you know, the government want to work with us. They also experimented on our own military and they even set up secret detention centers around the world, including in parts of Asia and Europe, in Germany, Japan, and the Philippines. Oh, my God. While some people were volunteers, the majority were not. And some of those included unwed mothers. What? Prisoners, the disabled, or those in mental institutions. So <laughs> un- ultimately and unfortunately, MK Ultra preyed on members of society that were the most vulnerable. That's horrible. It's disgusting. It's horrible. Uh, Whitney Bulger, if any of you who know who that is, Whitney was a former organized crime boss back in the day, and he was in prison, so he was kind of like a mobster. And he wrote of his experience as an inmate, and he was a test subject. Um in MK Ultra, and he quoted saying eight convicts were in a paranoid and panicked state. He said that in the 1957 test at the Atlanta Penitentiary he was currently serving time at, he experienced loss of appetite, hallucinations, the room would change shapes, hours of paranoia and feeling violent overwhelmed him. Uh, the prisoners experienced horrible periods of living nightmares and even blood coming out of the walls
1: oh my god
0: guys would turn into skeletons in front of me I saw a camera change into the head of a a, a dog and I felt like I was going insane
1: that's so horrible
0: yeah it's a bad trip for sure um, <laughs> yeah but I did read in an article that it If people were taking LSD unknowingly, it was more likely to be a bad trip because they Mm. didn't understand what was going on. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is unpredictable if you'll have a good or a bad trip. Yeah. However, obviously, if you don't know what's going on and you just have this happen to you, it's probably Mm -hmm. not going to be a good time for anyone. Now, there is a side project called Operation Midnight Climax. (laughs) Who knows? It, Who named that? It sounds like a horrible porno. <laughs> it, yeah, it does. It was one of the most notorious signed projects of MKUltra, and in a way, it was a horrible porno. Oh, no. So in this side quest, it was supervised by a man named George Hunter White. The CIA would hire sex workers in San Francisco to lure in unsuspected men, and they built this sort of set... In a way, and it was a bedroom, and it, it looked like a normal scene, except there was a, a two-way mirror, and the CIA would watch things go down. The sex worker would put LSD into the man's martini to get him high, and then the CIA agents would literally watch what would happen through the two-way mirror.
1: So this guy has no idea that the CIA is watching him? No. That's, like, one of the wildest things I've ever heard in my life.
0: But also, like, he's taken LSD for the first time unknowingly, and Mm. he's just, like, I just hired this sex worker, and he's being watched by a bunch of, like, white men behind. That that is,
1: crosses so many lines. So many
0: lines. So so many, like, violations of. Yeah. um, Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So. The sex workers would receive a little bit of of cash for their troubles, and they would also get a promise that if they had a run in with the wall, uh, the law, they would essentially have like a get out of jail free card. You know, they would be like, no, you'd you'd be okay. So eventually, uh, White wanted to see how else they could use sex workers in the CIA. Oh no. So, you know, could they be trained? How well could they keep secrets? How, like, could sex workers be used for further manipulation? And, you know, they also wanted to figure out what uh, what state of the evening is the peak moment for receiving information. <laughs> Turns out it's right after sex. Uh, That's when people spill the most.
1: Yeah. Beans, spill okay. The beans.
0: All right. Uh, White really enjoyed his job. uh he even said the following quote i toiled wholeheartedly in the vineyards because it was fun 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 where else could a red-blooded american boy lie kill cheat steal rape and pillage with the sanction and blessings of the all highest
1: is this man a psychopath
0: i'm i'm assuming so oh my god like everything who about-, about that? Exactly. <laughs> uh, that it's, it's disgusting. Yeah, that's horrible. So while doing some audits in 1963, a man named John Vance, who was a member of the CIA Inspector General Staff, he decided it would be best if the test didn't continue. The board tried to convince... Him that the project should continue, but the inspector insisted that the agency followed new research ethics and guidelines and to bring all the programs that involved non-consent and volunteers to an end.
1: Thank you. It wasn't until
0: 1971 that the funding ended and the project finally stopped. However, in 1973, following Watergate... The director of the CIA at the time, Richard Helms, thought it would probably be a good idea if all the documents of MKUltra were destroyed. Of course. He just said, you know, it might embarrass some of the the subjects, you know, if anything ever got found out, like we probably, out of respect for them, like they don't, it's okay. Because they respected them so much. Because they respected them so much then. It was <laughs> obviously, you know, the... The people that were involved, like that happened to, mm. would be embarrassed. It's it's not embarrassing on anyone else's part. No. Like it's, I'm just it's looking out for fine. you, yeah, because I care. So, in 1974, Seymour Hirsch of the New York Times published a story about how the CIA had conducted nonconsensual drug experiments and illegal spying operations on U.S. citizens. So in his report, he stated the lengthy process of bringing long suppressed details about MK Ultra to light. So because of that expose, MKUltra was able to kind of be talked about because the people that did say things happened to them were obviously thought of as crazy or because it was mainly tested on the vulnerable people in society. It was kind of looked the other way. Or if it was tested on the military, it was kind of seen as oh, it's just because you know they it didn't happen to anyone like in power or anyone mm-hmm. important mm-hmm. enough. So the Church Committee, who was led by Senator, let's say Frank Church, Wait, did you say Church? Oh, okay. I was like, church? no, no, his okay. last name was Church. Gotcha. Um, okay. <laughs> he, because I was like, what is a Church Committee? The and, like the Lord was like, in. thou shall not drop acid um it's in the 10 commandments don't you know it's the 11th commandment actually thou shalt not
1: that's how moses saw the burning bush oh my god (laughs) that's when god i swear to god it wasn't
0: like my hand didn't hurt at all all right moses (laughs) you've been having too much air god (laughs) dial it back okay (laughs) oh my god The Church Committee was investigating other reports of abuse on the FBI, CIA, and other government intelligence associations after the resignation of Nixon. So these revelations resulted in Ford's 1976 executive order on intelligence activities that prohibited, quote, experimentation with drugs on human subjects except with the informed consent in writing and witnessed by a disinterested party of each such human subject so while documents for mk ultra were destroyed it turns out that 20000 documents ended up surviving the purge for whatever reason some were misfiled in the financial department you think that these people who are supposed to be like the
1: smartest people, you know, in the government, they just like, are I, guess, not.
0: I guess they're like, oh, well, it's the money. So this is important. I better not throw this receipt away. But the fact that they destroyed everything and they were still like 20,000 were still, so I can't even imagine how many more documents
1: yeah oh my God!
0: Because if they tried to destroy everything and only twenty thousand remained i I don't even want to know Mm-mm. so essentially, with those documents, they were able to piece together some things, but unfortunately, it may not know the full extent because I doubt they'll probably tell us mm-hmm. and I have probably no doubt that these sort of things didn't cease. To a full extent, mm-hmm. so those documents were discovered in 1977, and had they not been, the CIA may not have been fully exposed. Um, it was actually taken to the Senate, and there was a, a court hearing, and Senator Kennedy Kennedy said in 77 there were hearings that they there was not a pre-screening, there was little scientific sense. There was seldom accessible or available people watching over who were not scientifically qualified to have this go on. So essentially, it was saying there was really no reason for the subjects that they picked to test on. There was no pre-screening of if there would be any additional side effects. It was sort of just there, there was kind of no rhyme or reason for it, and the people who were executing this even though that they were working for the cia and they were high up they were not like qualified to be observing these experiments i mean look at Mm -hmm. White. you know he was working with sex workers and he's like this is great it's like what if something went horribly wrong he's like i don't care he's having fun he was having a good time like he literally said quote like i get to lie kill rape steal like Mm -hmm. and I don't, like, nothing happens to me. It's like, what's wrong with the world, sir? According to Wikipedia, uh, (laughs) (laughs) the deputy director of the CIA revealed that over 30 universities and institutions were involved in extensive testing and experimentation. The program, which included covert drug testing and unwitting citizens. At all social levels, high and low... Native Americans, and foreign. So it was done by so many people, and several mm-hmm. of these tests involved the administration of LSD. In total, MK Ultra had 162 side projects under it. Potentially thousands of peoples were victims. The names of 80 institutions uh, where work was done were which these people were affiliated with, were also mentioned in this court hearing. Wow. The institutions included 44 colleges, universities, 15 research foundations, or chemical-slash-pharmaceutical companies. Uh, There were 12 hospitals or clinics and three penalty institutions. The U.S. General Accountant Office issued a report On September 28, 1994, which dated between 1940 and 1974, the Department of Defense and other national security agencies studied thousands of human test subjects and experiments involving hazardous substances. Wow. Many of the test subjects were conducted under the MKUltra program. It was also determined that I believe only 14 subjects were ever notified. Oh wow! There's a lot of different, you know, branches to this. There's some personal stories and everything. I didn't go into all of that just because this was pretty lengthy and I didn't want to talk about it for two hours. So essentially, that is MK Ultra. It's it's the real life Russian sleep experiment, wow. if you will. I kind of it was kind of high level. I I hope I did it justice, but there was um, I watched a really good documentary about conspiracies there was a lot of articles on history from it a couple of npr reports new york times it it goes back and then when clinton was president he made like a public apology about it Hmm. It's like what what are you going to do at that point but it was people that were victims of this or or their families you know they did have long-term effects of this especially people in the military who had no idea they they definitely It was more so than just injecting them or lacing them with LSD, like they did have a lot of other psychological properties of this. They essentially tried to break people down in order to get control of their mind. Scientist Hoffman later said that he was kind of disappointed because he thought that LSD would have subconscious benefits that would be better explored if they were executed properly Mm -hmm. so he was really disappointed that well obviously I'm disappointed too but (laughs) I think he saw potential in the drug to Mm -hmm. have additional benefits and the fact that a kind of side note but with Operation Midnight Climax it happened in San Francisco and San Francisco was kind of the birth and place of like hippie culture Mm -hmm. which kind of ties into that and then it was kind of abused in that way, and then it was abused by the government. So, essentially, people believe that LSD has properties of of which we are able to connect with the subconscious, and kind of. I mean, I don't know. I've never done it. I've I've heard kids in high school say that it's like something everyone should do once. And I'm like, no, I'm good. <laughs> anyway, I don't know where I'm going with this, but that is MK Ultra. It's really oh. disheartening. Um. It makes you wonder what's going on and what we'll never know about, and I don't know. It's just uh, really disappointing. Disappointing, but I'm not surprised. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Wow.
0: That was really interesting. I thought so. Thank
1: you. I heard that microdosing LSD can be really cool.
0: That's what I've heard, too. A lot of people have been talking about that. I didn't dive into that, but I saw like a TED Talk about it once.
1: Yeah, it's like you can get rid of your fear of death or something. Interesting concept. Interesting. But Interesting. I'm
0: still I don't like not having control of my body, so I don't think it's yeah. for me. Yeah. I also yeah. heard it last a long time. Mm. Yeah, I, don't no, like that. I don't like that. I'm like, no. Can it just be like a twenty minute thing?
1: Right. Can we turn it on and turn it off? Can we it turn off?
0: it off? Yeah. I'm kind of kind of tired of seeing the walls like cry. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Ooh. All right. When you think of pirates <laughs>
0: Blackbeard. What comes to mind? Jack Sparrow. Describe like the pirate in your mind. Scurvy. <laughs> Peg leg, mm-hmm. a bandana, no teeth except like one with gold, a hook, an eye patch, a beard, a black and no, wait, black mass, Jolly Roger, here for the booty <laughs> uh er, Patchy, Patchy the Pirate from SpongeBob. Patchy
1: the Pirate. Are you ready, kids? Aye, aye, Captain. I can't hear you. Aye, aye, Captain. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Thank you. Was I close? Well, I'm going to tell you about one of the most successful pirates of all time
0: uh you may have
1: (laughs) (laughs) um actually yes
0: no um wait Um, limewire the cia (laughs) limewire you know like people downloading free songs isn't that pirated
1: oh like um torrent like torrent is not that for movies yeah
0: something like that i don't yeah Um, no this is not oh wait wait captain phillips no 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 no, i'm the captain now (laughs) i'm the captain now that's a good movie yeah. Tom Hanks. I love
1: Tim Hanks. Okay. Okay. So this pirate you probably have not heard of, but they are one of the most successful pirates uh in history. So Shi Yang was born around seventeen seventy five. Okay. In Canton, China. Cool. And in eighteen oh one she married Chang yet who was a well-known pirate and she up until that point she had been likely a sex worker in one of these floating brothels
0: that they had operation midnight boat ride (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) that's it okay wait so if he was a well-known pirate was she Mm -hmm. like oh you're a bad boy
1: I'm not sure okay. how they got together. <laughs> I assume he visited the brothel and was like, hey, will you marry me? <laughs> okay. Fair. Maybe she was really good at her job. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, okay.
0: Ooh, promoted to wifey. <laughs> All
1: right. <laughs> um, legend says that he proposed to her and she didn't say yes until he promised to give her half of his fleet and part of the command good of, for her. of the pirates. Good but for her. That's,
0: that's a legend. Okay, so well, we she's. Legend has it, she's a good businesswoman.
1: Yeah. So after they got married, they went to Vietnam together to fight in the Tay Song Rebellion. So her and her husband worked together to build a confederation of pirates, basically. They took like small bands of pirates. And they brought them all together under their command. And by 1804, they had 400 warships. And these Chinese warships are called junks. Mm. So 400 junks and 70,000 men. So that's a, that's
0: a lot of pirates. That is that is a lot. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, lots of pirates. Arg. 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 So by the way, when she mar- when she got married, she changed her name to Jen, Jen- to Cheng Yet So, which basically means Cheng's wife. <laughs> so that's that's what she was then known as.
0: Well, I guess like Mrs. Whatever.
1: Yeah. In a way. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Also, side note, we, yeah. it's International Talk Like a Pirate Day. Is September 19th. Oh, it's coming it's up. It's coming up. Okay, we'll have, we'll have a- to put it in their calendar. Yeah, I'll be in California and I'm going to do that the whole time I'm with David. Oh my God. On that day. He's going he's gonna to hate that. I know. I'm so excited. <laughs>
1: so, her husband, Chang, he was overall very well respected as the commander of the Pirate Confederation. And, um, As I said, him and his men, they'd been in Vietnam. They all fought together, so they're pretty close-knit. And then they went back to China after that. And him and Chang yat So basically took over the entire coast between China and Vietnam. But in 1807, there was a typhoon okay so really bad storm and chang was washed overboard Oh no. and killed oh no ripperoni <laughs> yeah R- rest rest in peace arg arg <laughs> now the pirate confederation needed a new leader there's a vacuum a power vacuum
0: like space
1: right who would step up to the plate to lead the pirates.
0: I know. A sex worker who's well, qualified.
1: It was his wife, Chang so. Yes, queen. And so while her and her husband were together before he died, she kind of managed the business side of Love it. pillaging. Sure. Um. So he did all the pillaging. And then she kind of balanced the checkbook, if you will. Sure. So everyone also really respected her because she managed all the money and they were really rich. And she was also a really close advisor of her husband's. This wasn't super unusual uh, for her to take over because women women in southern China basically shared equal work with their husbands when they worked on the water. And if a man died, then his wife would take over his fishing boat and stuff like that. So it was pretty egalitarian. Nice. And um, mm-mm. so another note is that Cheng, her now late husband, had an adopted son named Chong Po Tsai. So Cheng's adopted son, Chong Pao Tsai, Was expected to succeed him in power, but he had already agreed to serve Cheng Yet So, and the kicker is that they were sleeping together, even before her husband was washed overboard in a typhoon. Convenient. So he was, like, her boyfriend slash adopted son, kind of like a Woody Allen thing. It's pretty. It's pretty gross, to be honest. It's pretty gross. Whatever. I don't like it. Okay.
0: Um.
1: Yeah. That that was the situation. So now Cheng yat is the official leader of the Confederacy of the Pirates with the 70,000 men, etc. And she came up with some new rules that they had to follow. Um, I also read that these are actually Cheng Bao's rules, and they are just mistakenly accredited to her. Mm. But, like, who knows? Okay. So anyway, these are the rules um
0: thou shall not drop acid <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's actually the first rule of course uh so any of these rules if they broke them they would have their head lopped off oh okay so it was really serious
0: yeah okay cool 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 yeah yeah you won't just get a slap on the wrist or a timeout no no, no. you'll lose your head no no literally lose your head literally. okay
1: so any loot that was pillaged any booty if you will hands
0: off my booty
1: (laughs) went into a common pool basically and the individuals who got it would get 20 percent. okay and the rest went in and it funded supplies and things like that so it was very like egalitarian redistributing the wealth sort of thing i respect that though yeah me too and another one Was yeah, so if you were caught stealing from this common fund, your head would be chopped off. So,
0: okay, pretty serious.
1: Yeah, um, there was a rule against raping captives. Well, thank goodness for that. If they did that, um, without permission, then they would their head from the captive, or uh, no, from the I think from their commanding officer. Mm, okay. Um, I would hope it would be the
0: captive. But.
1: Yeah, I know, right? Um, It says, No one shall satisfy their lust with captured women in the villages or public places. On board, the permission of the squadron leader must be obtained for this purpose and the act performed aside in the ship's hold. Okay. So, it's still not good. Not yeah, good. Right. But... If they did it without their squadron leader's permission, they would be executed. Okay. And they also weren't allowed to go ashore without permission. Okay. And if they did that, they would also be executed. Okay. Fun fact, when women were captured from somewhere they were pillaging, they would be hung off the side of the ship by their hair. How is that fun? Mm -hmm.
0: Your idea of fun and mine are very (laughs) different.
1: Yeah. Ow. Ow. How would that hold, you know, your body weight after a while?
0: Uh, I don't
1: even want to know. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I don't want to think about
0: it. I would just hope that I would get so stressed that my hair would fall out and then I'd be released.
1: Yeah, but I'm thinking, like, it'll tear your scalp off. You know what I mean? Hickey. I don't know. Would it? I don't know. Oh. Like if you're swinging from your hair for long enough, maybe. Couldn't do that. It's like women who used to get their hair cut in factory machines, and it would like, no, scalp them because. I didn't know that. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Cool, 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 cool. Bad, Hate it, really bad. Hate it. Not Bro- fun. Sorry. Elizabeth, not sorry. Fun. Bad images there. <laughs> really not cool.
0: Ah.
1: <laughs> um. So if they captured women who were rich, they were ransomed, and if they were. Um, poor they would be sold to the pirates as wives so like non-consensual wives slaves i guess Um, but they were required to treat the women with respect well that's
0: a relief very low bar there Mm -hmm. but
1: um yeah and if he cheated on her then he was his head was chopped off okay so there it's like very strange because it's like oh yeah you can buy this w- woman to be your wife but like you don't must cheat love her. on her. Yeah. You must treat her well. <laughs> you must love her. Um so yeah. She may not be happy about
0: the situation but you will treat her right. Yeah. So I don't know. What do you think the woman would then be like he cheated on me to get away? Oh. But
1: who would they believe in that situation? Oh, you're
0: probably right.
1: I don't know though. I don't know. So the Confederation of Pirates made a lot of money because they controlled the salt trade in the region. Mm. And they also controlled access to the waters for fishing and opium ships. So basically all of these ships had to pay them for protection and and to be allowed to pass through. And... They also liked to go ashore and demand that the villages pay them, and if they didn't pay them then they would set them on fire. Okay. So um yeah. Uh Cheng Yatso or Cheng Yat-Sao had a council and there were six squadrons in their fleet of ships and each one was had his own color. So like Chung Bao Her. Adopted son slash lover was the head of the red squadron. And yeah, they had different colors. Um, and she was also very spiritual. She consulted with her guardian spirit for all of her major decisions. I love that. And had statues of it on all of the ships. And um, yeah. She she basically said all of her decisions came from the spirit and she liked to also sprinkle the people she captured with garlic water. Oh. Um Odd. Which was supposed to be protection against getting shot. So if you're ever worried about that, um
0: I'll just eat a lot of garlic.
1: As we do. As we as do. As we do. Mm. So we're pretty much We're good. We're, we're good. safe. So, like I said, they like to raid towns, especially really wealthy ones, because there was a huge divide between the very rich and the very poor in China at the time. Probably still is today. And so, they would raid the wealthy towns and um, collect their money or else they would burn them down. And then they kept a lot of the money, but um, they also paid people in the poorer towns to work for them. So, like, as spies... And things like that. So they had a huge network and were very powerful because they were just paying off people like left and right in all these places. Mm-hmm. But while they were burning down these villages, they weren't allowed to steal from any of the villages that gave them food and water. And which again, it's like, okay, you can like set it on fire, but don't steal from them. Right. It's kinda like mm-hmm.
0: Okay. But, like, does one outweigh the other? Okay. I don't know. I mean, they're
1: all bad. So, all this time, the Chinese government was like, you guys can't do this.
0: (laughs) Could you not?
1: This is illegal. You can't do this. But China didn't really have a formal navy at the time for some reason. The person in power wasn't really concerned with naval matters.
0: Nah, it's okay. Yeah, like, oh, it's... Out there. He didn't like the ocean. He was yeah, scared. He was like, we don't have probably. to go there. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it better
1: on land? <laughs> so they basically just put regular soldiers on, like, borrowed ships. And whenever they would try to go after um, Cheng yat so's boats, they had this tactic where her boats would, like, sneak or- sneak up and destroy them, like, ambush them, kind of, like, guerrilla style. So that never worked. Mm. And they killed a lot of people. Um so at this point, Cheng So was planning to invade this region called the Pearl River Delta. It's where the Pearl River empties into the sea and there's like all these little islands and stuff. And um this area includes Canton, where she was from, and Macau, which was controlled by the Portuguese. At this time the how do you say that? Like ragtag navy, like you know, that's not really official. Yeah, has been um has been following them around and trying to capture them, but some navy officers would start to kill themselves because Aww. they were so afraid of being captured by this pirate. Aww. However, they kept on going, and the government tried to starve the pirates by cutting off their food supply but the peasants that they were paying fed them so it didn't work so at this point the squadrons that she was controlling were kind of fracturing one of them the green squadron was like didn't like I don't know the amount of money they were making or something and so they went to Macau the Portuguese city in china and they were like hey we're pirates but like we want to turn ourselves in and so they did and then they got paid to do that because at least they weren't pillaging and whatever sure so um the Portuguese gave them a hefty sum of money and Chang Yatso was like "Hmm, that sounds kind of good (laughs) um but I'm not sure yet so she had to think about it in January of 1808 the, uh, her pirate group killed a really high-ranking uh, commander in the Chinese Navy. And so the government was, like, really pissed off at that. They're like, man, come on. Yeah, like, stop. Um, so they sent an official named Bai Ling to go down and to, like, take them down. They're like, this is the final straw. Like, like yeah, we're annihilating them. And he went through the river Delta where this invasion was planned, and he talked to all the people who lived there, and he would train them into little militia armies. Nice. And he also tried to cut off supply lines to the pirates. Um, in July of that year, 1808, Chung Pao, uh, her adopted son slash boyfriend, Attacked Canton, which is one of the major cities there. And then, after that, the Confederacy of Pirates or whatever, coalition, I don't even know. All of the pirates, they went all over the Delta region for an entire year and basically pillaged the whole thing. They took women and children as captives and one fleet in one expedition killed 10,000 people. Wow. And that was just in like... One, one raid oh. so oh they were killing people so like as much as i would like to say like ooh, badass pirate woman like mm, that's still not cool like mm, mm. you had no. me then you lost
0: me
1: <laughs> it's not great like no it's interesting that a woman could uh, or was respected enough and like
0: especially back then
1: yeah could gain that power but like mm, she killed like she was responsible for a lot of really awful things at this point, Bai Ling, the government official, was like, Oh um <laughs> What do we do? So he asked some foreign countries for help. And uh so at this point they're in Canton and one day sixty Chinese ships and one British ship showed up and they drove um they drove. Or well, they drove Cheng so away. Oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> She went south to Lantau Island to repair her fleet and just like hang out for a while. So in November of 1809, the Portuguese find her there because they run Macau. And so she's in this bay on this island and they turn up and she's working on her ships, but she only has a few ships because most of them are being repaired. And um, so she's kind of like shit so she sends out word that she needs help sos and but the the portuguese knew she would do that and they wanted her to do that because they wanted all the pirates there where she was
0: how did she communicate that was my question i would like to know
1: i don't know smoke signals right, like that's the Carrier other way pigeons. i don't know i have no idea i truly do not know i i don't telepathy
0: maybe Carrier pigeons. I like that idea. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. Cannonballs with like sticky notes on it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: paper blades. Right. Oh, there you go. Um, did they have
0: paper back Yeah, It
1: was 1808. A, a they paper had paper. Bow, like Pennywise? I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah. She somehow communicated that.
0: Um, I'm so baffled. I don't know. I don't know.
1: So three days later, Chung Bao arrives with his fleet to save her. And um, one of her other fleets, the Black Flag Fleet, just was like, no, like, we're not coming. <laughs> so uh, the enemies had 60 warships, 35 fishing boats, and four Western ships. And the pirates had seven ships. Oof. Outnumbered. Yes. And so they're in this bay and they used, they, like, lined up all seven to block the mouth of the bay where they were. And then their enemy attacked um but one of the pirate ships went like ventured out and threw torches on one of their warships and then it blew up cuz it had explosives and ammo in it and so it like got the other ships and so they all had to retreat um but then they came back And sent out 43 fire ships, which are basically, like, small boats filled with burning sticks and stuff to, like, set all their stuff on fire. But Cheng Yatso basically went around and, like, would grab them and, like, just bring them in so they wouldn't hit her boats. So that didn't work. Um, And then the wind changed and some of the fire ships drifted back towards the enemy ships and set their ships on fire. So things were going in their favor. And um, at this time, she was able to slip past the huge, I guess, garrison of ships that was trying to defeat her. And yeah, she ended up doing pretty well. She only lost 40 men in this case. I think they lost 70-something. But at this point, um, as I mentioned, the Confederation was starting to split apart. They just wanted different things at this point. We're going our separate ways. Yeah, they're growing apart. And so she knew she couldn't uh, resist for very long, and she had to surrender. But she had to do it on her own terms, so she sent the terms to the Chinese government ships. And she was like, okay, if I surrender to you, all of the pirates, including myself, have total amnesty, so we can't be prosecuted under the law, and we get to keep all of our loot. And also, we're all allowed to join the army if we want to. <laughs> and um, and me and my boyfriend slash adopted son- <laughs> She specified that. <laughs> we get to keep some boats for ourselves. And the government was like, no. <laughs> like, that's too much. Decline offer. So then she was like, okay. So then her and her fleet of pirate ships went on another looting and pillaging mission to be like, how about now, huh? <laughs> um,
0: but you wish you said yeah.
1: And then they were like, oh, okay. <laughs> Fine. I guess. So they negotiated it in person with Bai Ling and... Then the Red Fleet of um, Chang Yatso surrendered with 17,310 men, 226 uh, junks or warships, and 1,315 cannons. After that, uh, she kept her ships. Well, she kept some of her ships. Kept all of her money and was just a normal person. Um... Chang Bao kept his ships as well and worked, ended up working for the government. Some of them retired, some of the pirates, some of them joined the Navy. And um, Chang Yat-Sao created a fund to help her pirates transition into a normal civilian life.
0: So weird.
1: Yeah. And she was 35 when this occurred or when she surrendered. Then she opened a gambling house. Oh dear. <laughs> she also married Chung Bao. Okay. And congrats, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I guess. And um but he and she had a son with him. She had two other sons with her first husband also. And um but then he died pretty young. And she lived to be 69 years old. Oh. And she died in 1844, and she had a lot of money. She died in Canton. Um, There's rumors she ran a large smuggling operation still. Wouldn't surprise me. And that her gambling house was also, also a brothel.
0: Okay, two for one.
1: Yeah, so that's the story of the pirate... Chang yet, so
0: I had never known she existed. So thank you. Me neither. Very interesting. I feel a lot of ways. Feel kind of like, all right, cool, because she was obviously smart, but I don't like what she did. Right. But damn, like I'm so impressed that they were like, okay, this is the fun because we need more napkins next Mm -hmm. time we come to shore. Like, no, you can.
1: Right. She ran a tight ship. She literally tight ship. And I got a lot of that info from Extra History on YouTube and a Jezebel article by Laura Suk
0: Duncombe. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Pretty cool, I suppose, <laughs> if you're into that sort of thing. Yeah. I am. I don't know what I'm trying to say. And thank you all for tuning in to today's episode. We hope you learned something. Thank you. I know I did. Me too. As always, we would love to thank the artists that have helped us. Our music is composed by Colin Whitlish, and music production is by Justin Toom. And our cover art is by Erica Chase. Would you like to tell them where to find us? You can follow
1: us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Insomnia Report, and email us at theinsomniareport at gmail.com to suggest future topics for episodes, or to send us your own listener report with your own story because we want to read them on an episode.
0: It'd be pretty neat. Tune in next time for episode 47 where we will be covering another true crime and as always we really appreciate you joining us. If you feel so inclined feel free to give us a rating on your favorite listening platform. Tell your friends. your family my mom really likes this podcast (laughs) if that gives any testimony i love you mom and yeah i think that should do it right i think so okay friends stay safe out there stay sleepy stay spooky good night good night